ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Guess who just got back today? The wild eyed boys that had been away. Change had much to say, but man, I still think them cats are great. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Football season is near and life is good. Hey everyone, I'm your host Nick, joined tonight by Ben, and we are just a few short weeks away from college football season starting. Ben, it's been a little bit of a slow burn this offseason toward getting excited again about football kind of with the way the season ended, a lot of other things going on in the world, but I'm here, I'm ready, fall camp picking back up, um, you know, as we dig into the roster a little bit, um, just really been excited about this season coming up and, you know, the hope, the hope that once again exists for another championship run. How about you? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this lately of why I haven't been as excited for this season. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. We're going to have a full slate of games, hopefully a normal regular season with with non-conference games. Um, There's going to be far less likelihood of COVID cancellations. We're breaking in a brand new starting quarterback in DJ. We've got new running back rotations. We've got the defensive line who's coming back and looks like they could be the second coming of the Power Rangers. And but I, I still haven't had that like that itch to get back into it this year. And I really do think it is because of the schedule. Um, yeah, it's great to, to be able to watch all these guys play, but when they're playing against the teams that we will be playing against outside of the Georgia game to kick off the year. Um, man, you know, it's like we have that one game and then we're going to watch them steamroll most of the schedule. They'll probably want to be one or two close calls that shouldn't have happened. This is, of course, assuming that specifically DJ makes it through the season uninjured. Um, and you really don't have anything to look forward again, uh, until the South Carolina game. And even that should be a blowout. Um, so then it's really the ACC championship game and what you hope will be a formidable North Carolina team. Um, So it has taken kind of the shine off a little bit. And, you know, we kind of, we know what to expect at this point going in. There's no question in our minds, like we'll do a season preview in our predictions, but I guarantee you all of our prediction is that Clemson will make it back into the college football playoff. Now, whether we, Uh, actually make it into the championship game we've learned in recent years is that even when you think you have the best shot like it's not a gimme um, that goes for winning it all too. Uh, 2019 and 2020 are perfect examples of that so you know we don't want to take that for granted but as far as the regular season goes you would expect this team to to to, you know waltz through easily get a good test at the beginning of the uh the season and bookend it at the end of the year and then watch them go into the playoffs I, I get where you're coming from on that. I mean, it's definitely not going to give us those vibes of, you know, a really hard fought, uh, you know, ACC Atlantic kind of one to two teams that uh, could be vying to, you know, who are definitely like less skilled than Clemson, but could be vying to, you know, topple us at the top or come up and get a game. And it just does not look likely for that to happen. Yeah. Um, well, and at I this point, of- at this point, you know, we're used to it, right? We, we've seen six seasons in a row of us being at the top of the college football pecking order um so there is some familiarity with this feeling obviously going into the season being ranked number two in the coaches polls coming out i imagine will be either two or three in the ap um so you expect this and i don't want to get complacent like i remember after the 2015 season and the loss to uh alabama in the national championship game, I left feeling like, okay, I left feeling good still, even though that we lost because I was like, Clemson is here. Clemson can do it. And we've got a bright future ahead of us. But I also told myself, I didn't want to, I didn't want to become Alabama fans um, and just become so complacent with the winning that it just seems like second nature. But at least what Alabama has going for them is they've got tough opponents on their football schedule and we don't. So I don't see it as me becoming complacent. I am just yearning for more competitive teams for Clemson to play, 
at the beginning, it was fine because you just wanted to get in, pay, you know, easiest road paved to get there. We'll take it. Now I kind of want to, you know, I want to see some action. I want to see some teams test us because, and I mentioned this before, I think a big part of the reason last year we got punched in the face by Ohio, uh, in the mouth by Ohio State is not only because they were a really good football team and certainly deserved to win that game, but also because we weren't tested like that all year. No disrespect to Notre Dame, but, you know, we're missing some people. We were, and then we played them in the ACC title game and at full strength and, you know, clobbered them and then turned around three weeks later and played Ohio State, and it wasn't great. So um, I think Notre Dame, they're improved, but they're at a lower tier than Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama are and will be. So the, even getting them twice in a season wasn't enough to kind of have an iron strength and iron. So I, I get it. I mean, I, I was going to sit here and kind of be like, you know, you got to find, you got to, the fun is in the winning, according to Dabble. You got to like find the, the matchup within the game that you want to really like zone in on and figure out like who's, who's developing, who are these opponent position groups that actually are, you know, above average or quality. Um, you know, and I, I remember like Pitt had a, a pretty decent, I think it was like defensive line core. So what can we learn from, you know, Clemson's the O-line facing up against that last year? Like there's just these like little things and obviously Clemson's going to get tons of guys on the roster snaps and you're going to start to see glimpses of, what the studs of tomorrow are going to look like, you know, like Barrett Carter, uh, the freshman linebacker, the phenom coming in, like, we're, you know, we're going to just have to find joy and sort of other elements of this team and not, we're not going to have the 2016 Louisville game this year. I'm sorry. Like if we do, that's a bigger issue than I think. I don't think we, we necessarily want that to play out the way it did, um, which is like that type of a high scoring slugfest, but um, what we want is Louisville or someone else in the Atlantic to, you know, find another Lamar Jackson caliber player and find more offensive playmakers like they had in a pretty good secondary and, you know, put it all together. But not much we can do about that for the 2021 season. Yeah. And the only, the only team I see on our schedule as far as the ACC concern is concerned that may give us that. I mean, we're at Syracuse, so you never know what will happen there, no matter how bad they are, um, as we've seen in the past. But at Pitt, following the week they get Kenny Pickett back you know that's the game I'm circling on the schedule that could give us some trouble in the ACC but when you think about the other conferences and the other conference uh, uh, you know the, the people at the top of the other conferences no other team has like a no contest uh, conference schedule not yeah. in the same way that Clemson does now sure Ohio State you know doesn't have eight, nine games of world beaters, but they've got a handful. Yeah. They've got um, two to three in conference that they're going to have to bring it to win handily. And yeah, um, you're right. I mean, they, they're probably similar to Clemson in their odds to win their conference. I mean, I'm sure Clemson's odds are longer than Ohio State's are, or, you know, you're going to make less money betting a hundred bucks on Clemson to win the ACC than you will Ohio State from the big 10. Uh, but those are probably the two that are closest. And um, yeah, you're right. Like the other conferences are much more competitive and um, it, there's a cost to that. Certainly on, you know, people are sick, getting sick of Clemson. I think if we did have to play a much harder schedule, um, there'd be a little bit more proving it through and throughout. Um, but Hey, like look at, I mean, look at the opponents Clemson's played over the last five, six, seven years. Like we are more that we are well above 500 matching up against the five best programs in the country. And thank goodness. So in yeah, that time frame. Thank goodness for that, because that's the one thing we're able to point to and be like, yeah, I know our schedule sucks, but, you know, the results matter at the end of the day when you're playing the top teams. And, you know, yeah. Oregon, you know, hadn't been able to say that. Uh, some we're three years. and one against Ohio State. Yeah. We're two and two against Bama. Oklahoma um, can't say that. Yeah. Yep. We're two and oh against Oklahoma. So, like, you know, again, like when it matters, Clemson's showed up and it's been all good. Um, so totally, give yeah, me a reason to let's give me a reason to be excited then to me it's how is this like it is the fact that this team is going to look and feel different than the 2020 team and the 2019 team like a lot of my non-clemson college football fan friends are like oh are you worried about the post trevor travis era and i'm like i'm actually excited about it like don't get me wrong those guys are awesome Sucks to see them go, losing tremendous talents 
two of the best to ever do it at that position in college football and at Clemson. But that said, there's some excitement there. There's some novelty. There's some newness. That's why you should care. And it's not just about freshmen and sophomores taking over these positions. We get studs back. Yesteryear, household name studs, Justin Ross. We all hope to see um, Frank Latson and Joe Ngata also show out. We're getting Justin Foster back. That's not as much of a household name. But if you care about this defense, I mean, that is like getting the fifth Power Ranger back. On this on this defensive line, um, the XT is in the best shape of his life. Like there's it's like the Albert of, Huggins of 2020. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like you know, it's not just the new names. And trust me, like recruiting has been great, but it is this class of you know really upperclassmen who have rings, you know, in the safety deposit box that are coming back to win another one. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, and um, you know Tyler Davis even fully healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to play a full season. Um, right. James Skalski, you know, does he yeah. get tossed <laughs> in the playoffs? <laughs> how many how many ejections does he have? Maybe we should place a bet on that then this season. You know, for under. You know, he and Nolan Turner are neck and neck on that one, I bet. Um, um, but anyway, so yeah, like, that's mean, that's where I'm at is is kind of just the team, the roster. Uh, something else though. CJ Spiller, man, he's back. Yep. Like you don't see the running backs coach featured that often, but I have a feeling in some of these broadcasts when Clemson's up, you know, 28 to nothing in the middle of the first quarter, we're going to see all those CJ highlight reels and bring them on. Well, and Clemson's going to be honoring him on uh, the SC state game on September 11th. Yeah, that's right. So um, and Taj uh, is coming back and, and, and being part of the program. Um, so that I'm super excited about, and I love seeing former Clemson players and even former NFL Clemson players being so involved in this program. It really strengthens the family atmosphere. And now we're getting to the point where you are seeing guys like Tyler Grisham and CJ Spiller come back, uh, Taj Boyd guys that we're very familiar with and very fond of, um, you know, they've gone and done their post-college, uh, football career. And now they're coming back to Clemson and becoming, you know, part of the program. And so that is cool. You know, before that, you just had Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott. If anybody remembers them from their playing days, nobody does. Um, but yeah, to have these... when I was in college. Ancient. <laughs> yeah. But to have these superstars coming back, that that's awesome. Like seeing CJ Spill on the sidelines, like, I don't know, maybe recruits don't know who he is, but it, it warms my heart. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it here when, you know, we talk about bright spots for the offense and that kind of thing. I do think a little bit of shuffling of the coaching staff this year is going to make – I'm hopeful for it. I think that I see that as a bright spot for this team, you know, the shuffling that's going to happen. So, um, I would I would chalk that up. I mean, when I look at this schedule, I'm, I, I am eager to see, like, what's up with Boston College? They've been hyped so many times over the last five years on occasion that, like, oh, this is the year they're going to put together and challenge Clemson. Everyone's big on Jeff Hapley. Everyone's going to remember what the first two and a half, three quarters last year looked like. Jerkovic, um, the quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And now it's weird. We'll play them now for the third year in a row at Death Valley. Um, that would have been a, a feisty game up at Chestnut Hill, I, I feel like, for this year. Probably last year probably should have been in Boston, but I'm glad for everybody's sake in South Carolina that it wasn't with COVID travel and all that stuff. But, um, you know, that that's at home. That, this, this schedule kind of breaks well for Clemson. We only have two consecutive road games the whole year, and that's um, Syracuse and Pitt. So granted, we're going, you know, as far as Clemson's going to go, they go in consecutive weeks. Um, and that Pitt game, we're not sure what time of day that's going to be um, either. But I think the Syracuse game is a night game on October 15th. So uh, It's, uh, yeah, 7 p.m. Right. East Coast. So, so like – you know, that just across the board, um, not a ton in the schedule that obviously gives you fear or, you know, it's not filled with landmines necessarily. But, um, you know, FSU, like what's going on with Norvell and the development of that team? We've got a whooping that we owe them that we weren't able to deliver uh, to their doorstep last year. So that's going to that, be fun. Yeah, that, that's worth looking forward to. Right, exactly. And, I mean, people – I think the Dave Doran rivalry, we missed out last year. Let's bring True. that back on. And people are hyping up NC State. We get them in September. 
um, look at my chops for that one. And then um, just again, you have to calibrate your expectations. We're grading on a curve, but I I feel like Wake Forest is going to be better than a lot of people right now think they will be. Now, granted, we faced them the week before South Carolina, so who knows what their season's going to look like by then. They're, they're likely not a very deep team, so see what that ends up looking like. But, you know, again, we're going to be looking for who is that next team in the Atlantic to rise up and challenge. And in the Coastal, we, we face off against Pitt and Georgia Tech, like always. Um, I don't really know if it's either of those that are going to rise up and, you know, challenge here. So you mentioned North Carolina. I definitely think they're going to be the odds-on favorite to get out of the Coastal. We'll see about Miami. Um, they've, they've got a quarterback, they've got talent, but as with Miami every single year, it's about putting it together and, you know, actually making it happen on the football field, not just in, in the hype, hype section. We'll, so, fi- we'll find out week one with them. You think against Bama, that's going to really tell us much. I mean, it's going to tell us that Miami is not anywhere close <laughs> to them. But, no matter. It may not tell yeah, us much just, about Alabama yet, but. I, yeah, like I, I feel like it's. I want to see Miami a couple weeks after that. Like, how I do they give, do after they get smacked? You know, let me give what's their confidence and culture like. Let me give Alabama this. You know, they've or uh, Miami this. They've got Alabama on the schedule. They've got Michigan State on the schedule. So those are two Power Five. Yeah, they're signing up non-conference games. games. They've got App right. State, um, right. and then. Okay some other school um yeah they got their work cut out for them here and the central um, connecticut blue devils i don't are they worse than yukon <laughs> like, <laughs> dude that's a coin flip but even miami yeah. schedule they open with five straight home games that includes those four teams we just talked about plus virginia and then Bama's probably neutral site right uh it's a miami home game quote unquote uh, gotta be. Oh yeah, it's at Mercedes Benz World Stadium or whatever. Mercedes oh, yeah, Benz. Okay. Mercedes yeah. But still, that doesn't set up. That doesn't set them up well for the back half of their schedule. Let's see: one, two, three, four, five. Well, three, if four road games and three home games they close out the season with. Um. So, I don't know. It might be. You know, I'll be interested in following a couple of the coastal teams, North Carolina, yeah, Miami sure. specifically, and maybe let's see what Pitt can do. Um, right. But I mean, I think. San- Sam Howell is going to be a Heisman candidate. Um, I don't know how their schedule breaks down where he could have that like September Heisman moment um, in a decent, on a decent stage, but yeah, it'll be, I mean, I don't know. I, you hit it at the beginning. Like we're likely to get a full season slate of games, knock on wood, um, you know, without cancellations or, or issues, ideally full stadiums of fans, you know, that environment's going to be really cool to see. So um, I don't know, Ben, I think, I think you're going to turn, turn around on this and get hyped up. Yeah. I'm listen, I'm, I'm sure I will, you know, when that, well, I'm going to be in Charlotte for the, for the Georgia game. So I'll be super excited by that point. For sure. Um, Um, But then after that, (laughs) yeah. Then after that, it's like 11 straight weeks of podcast, (laughs) you know, just, covering the first half of games. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I think we maybe pivot this year and try to get us back down to an hour. And we focus <laughs> and we focus the and focus more yeah. on the college football landscape and not so much on picking apart the teams that we, in the game. The teams that we yeah. pick apart. Yeah. That's fair. Well um ben, all I'm this- saying is ACC get better for you know what, you know, we're doing our part. I say we, I mean Clemson, but the podcast is here too, helping out. You know, we're we're, we're six and zero playoff record, um, but you know, y'all get better. Yeah, please do. We're footing the bill. Um, yeah, well, Ben, I thought for this episode, obviously we've covered a little bit of you know the sentiment here in early August. looked at, looked at the schedule, kind of our vibes about the team at this stage, but um, we touched on it. I wanted to maybe unpack a little bit. This is a new look team this year. And um, just for those that haven't maybe been following as closely cover off on like, who's gone from last year's team, you know, what, what will make this a new look team. And we already referenced like some guys are new that we're excited about. And some, some guys are back. that didn't have as big of an impact last year. 
So uh, I think it's worth kind of examining that and thinking through like what is ahead of this team in terms of depth chart playing out here in the fall camp. Um, I'd love to hear from you, like what aspects of the offense and the defense you're most excited about and what's giving you a little bit of, you know, a bit of worry, but what's troubling you about um, what the team has coming back or what we're going to face off against first off with Georgia, but I think obviously, you know, against playoff caliber opponents down the line, you know, what, what might stand in the way of Clemson breaking, breaking back into that championship game and maybe contending for a natty. Um, so yeah, I thought we'd just, you know, get into the high level on this team. Obviously, as we approach that Georgia game, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the depth chart, talk through, you know, who's going to eventually be the starters. What does this mean about constructing an offense and defense for the year? Um, and obviously do like season predictions and, and all that good stuff later on. But um, yeah, this is like our first look, I guess, at, at the, the roster. Well, and so, yeah, this is where I start to get excited, especially when we talk about the incoming uh, freshman class, you know, the one, the one thing that has been trending up uh, for Clemson, uh, you know, since the beginning of this run has been our recruiting, but we still haven't broken in like to being a consistent, like top one, two or three uh, recruiting class. And, you know, we're starting to do that and we're starting to do that in positions of need, offensive line. Um, even with losing uh, a Bowman last year, a lot of good guys at the running back position coming in. So I'm excited to see a lot of these guys play, but then you also have to look to the starters that are in there. And then I have, I have some questions. So if the freshmen coming in don't really hit the ground running and some of them don't rise to the top, we could have some issues this year at certain positions. And on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, listen, we know what we think we expect to get out of DJ, right? Uh, we saw snapshots of that last year. Um, you know, especially in, uh, the two games that he had to start in Trevor's absence in Boston College and Notre Dame. And I'll say it again, that Notre Dame loss was not on him whatsoever. But yeah. we have another, like, what, you know, another generational quarterback um, is what it's looking like. He's a different type of quarterback, too, than Trevor Deshaun was. Uh, you know, he has a bigger arm and he's, he has a different running style, right? He's going to be more like your Taj Boyd. It's just going to be bowling people over. Um, instead of like Deshaun, who's a scrambler, or Trevor Lawrence, who just has this sneaky, like gazelle like speed, um, running away from folks down the sideline. I don't think you're necessarily get that out of the DJ, but he is going to be a different, he's going to be a really good quarterback and a different type of quarterback. Um, and so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, see his development. Um, you know, the coaches have already said, listen, he didn't come in like Trevor, like Trevor was just a different guy with the way he was prepared uh, mentally for the game when he came in, obviously had uh, all the physical attributes. Deshaun Watson, when he came in, was actually a little bit undersized. We needed him to put on some weight. Um, but DJ comes in, you know, big boy, uh, big body. They ben, really where do you where do you see the biggest development areas for DJ coming in? I mean, it seems to me like Trevor there was almost nothing that he truly needed to develop other than getting that game experience, kind of making it happen, seeing the speed of the game. And he handled that really well right away, but that was kind of the remaining question mark. I mean, I know obviously DJ got a little bit of time last year, but I mean, what do you like contrast that to Trevor? Do you think with DJ, it is a little bit more learning the offense, kind of feeling out his personnel, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, learning the offense, but, you know, for, for learning the offense, it was good that he got so much action last year. Um, so I'm less concerned about his development in that phase of the game. He sailed some balls high in the Notre Dame game, and he's done that in practice. Um, so being able to take that big arm and become more accurate with it um, is going to be important. Um, it'll be interesting. It's not about making the throw. It's about hitting the window and the target. Right. Yeah. Um, and then seeing how he develops, uh, how the running game is, how he is able to transform the running game and be a threat. Is it going to be more of what we've seen in the past with Trevor and, and Deshaun, or is it going to be more like short yardage goal line situations, which we kind of struggled with? Um, and part of that's offensive line base, but part of that, we just didn't have a 230 40 50 pound quarterback however big yeah it did make sense to also like see if trevor can get those couple yards and he i mean trevor took this is like the kind of like the i don't know if the myth is the right word but you know 
underappreciated element of Trevor is how tough he was. Yeah. Hits. And how, I, I can't count how many plays, probably like five or six plays in his career where the heavy shot from a defender, Trevor gets up first, that defender is shaking up and, sh- and trying to, you know, getting up, getting up a little ginger. And well, I think you're going to see some more of that with DJ. It's a big boy. Yeah. Um, we and, expect that though. And in, in really yeah. good shape, little, little body fat. I mean, the coaches have talked about him needing to uh, be more disciplined with his diet and his body and really getting it in shape. Hmm. Bojangles and Dr. Pepper. Interesting. Uh, bedfellows. He's, he's I mean, decided to partner with on the NIL front in terms of that, but maybe it's diet. Dr. Pepper. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. So <laughs> well, that, that remains to be seen, but those Bojangles right. biscuits. Yeah. Um, so Hopefully he's gotten his fill stockpile. He's gotten sick of them and he'll, he needs another six months before he gets the, gets the taste. I'm personally a Chick-fil-A fan, but Bojangles is good. Um, yeah. we don't have those out here though. It, it's hard to get here. like, it's hard to get tired of fried chicken and biscuits. And remember he's from California. Oh yeah. So you don't necessarily yeah, yeah. get, you know, the same out here. So Holly Foreman is the Clemson, you know, nutrition director. I'm sure there's a more official title than that, but in charge of keeping the players diet healthy. And um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges of, of you know, facing this team. Is kind yeah. of that well, and that's, and that's what they said. One of the struggles was last year with the COVID protocols is that all these guys were at home having to like stay in shape and, you know, watch their diet themselves and losing that rigor um, and, and somebody to hold you accountable to that. Um you know, may have held this team back. Now everybody's faced with the same situation. So that's not totally. the reason why we didn't win, but you know, it's a factor. So, but yeah, that's one of the, that's, that's been one of the uh, critiques of DJ or one of the things the coaches have said he's needed to, um, you know, focus on it and do better at. And then, so I, I think the last thing, and maybe this is one of the biggest ones is, you know, the defensive side of the ball, we're in really good shape. We got a lot of seniority coming back. A lot of guys, with a lot of experience. We don't necessarily have that on the offensive side of the ball. You got Trevor Lawrence leaving. You got Travis Etienne leaving. You've got uh, uh, Amari Rogers leaving. Cornell Powell. Uh, so who steps in and becomes the vocal leader on the offensive side of the ball? Um, and I, you know, ideally you want that to be your quarterback, but you know he's a, he's a second year guy. So and it took Trevor right a little while to to learn how to step into those shoes um, because that's not necessarily. Uh, it's not that it wasn't natural with with either of these guys, but you're coming from high school to college, right? The, the level of competition is much greater. You're not necessarily the best guy out there right away. Um, and you've got kids, you know, from all over the place, all over the country at this point, not from your local area, right? So it's a, it's a different dynamic. So I, I think seeing how he's able to blossom into a leader is going to be something that I'll look forward to watching. Yeah, I think it's still perhaps a little bit of an, of an unknown a little bit. I mean, I, I wouldn't say DJ is like a soft-spoken leader on the team or anything like that, but to your point, I think there were still those questions about Trevor until basically like the 2019 season when truly the, you know, the reins were his on the team and um, he kind of matured into that role. And the team saw, I mean, that Ohio State win in the Fiesta Bowl, um, there were a lot of heroes in that game, but, you know, uh, Trevor definitely kind of earned his piece in that game too. So um, anyway, I, yeah, I think for DJ, like the, the stage is there for him to kind of step in and do that. But I think you, you have heard a few things coming out of camp a little bit where, um, you know, some other leaders are kind of stepping up on the offensive side. And that's where the coaching staff has been vocal about Will Shipley, freshman running back, um, kind of coming in and um, really nailing all of his assignments, doing everything the right way. And, being a, an early on vocal leader that commands respect in the locker room, they know he's the hardest working guy. So um, I think that's cool to see from even a much younger guy still. And I think the reemergence of Justin Ross on this team is going to have a positive effect on culture and just bringing that championship pedigree into this locker room and into this team. Clearly last year that was there, you know, with Travis, Trevor, uh, Cornell Powell, Mario Rogers. Um, but this year, you know, you look at the guys that were instrumental in the 2018 national championship on this offense, and it really is Justin Ross, you know, across the board. Um, 
So I think that's inherently going to command respect of, you know, the type of work it's going to take and the impact you can have. And, you know, it's just such a blessing to have him back. We're so, you're so happy to see him get officially cleared. I think a lot of the, the thought was that was a formality um, earlier on in the spring was when he really got the best news about, you know, being cleared by his doctors, but um, can't say enough good about, you know, the news that that is for him and the ability to continue his, football career and his football vision. Uh, it's more than just getting this last crack at a Clemson Tigers football season. It's, he's got much bigger aspirations and, you know, this, this will be a launch pad for that. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it's, it's not even just about his time at Clemson and him being able to come back and us being able to watch him for one more season. It's his livelihood. Right. And it's his career moving forward. So great that he's able to, um, to come back and play like the, the situation around his injury. I'm, it was some weird injury that apparently not a lot of people come back from. It still didn't make a lot of sense to me, but um, I'm also not a doctor. Um, but yeah, apparently it was like right up to the it last neck, man. That's all I know. It yeah. Like, and you don't, and you don't mess with those injuries. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so great to have him back. Um, and, and yeah, I think he can step into that leader role, but I think one, one area where it really bode well for the team is to see the offensive line together kind of emerge um, uh, and fill a leadership position. You know, you got a guy like Matt Bockhorst, who's a graduate uh, senior, um, Will Putnam, he's a junior, Jordan McFadden, a redshirt junior. And then you've got Walker Parks, who's only a sophomore, but you saw the tenacity in this kid last year. I loved watching him. He didn't always know where he was going, but the one thing he knew he was going to hit somebody. <laughs> and I love yeah. that mentality and that ferocity. And from everything that we've read and heard is that he's kind of stepping into that leadership role. So I think, again, it would, you know, the, the offensive line was a clear weakness of this team last year on offense and uh, you know that you know that that it led to a lot of problems and some struggles at times and to see them at least and we don't know how well they're going to play this year you know we, we think they're going to be better because the bar was set you know somewhat low coming out of last year but um you know to hear some of these guys stepping up as leaders at least tells me that they've got the mentality um, to go out there and, and get the job done. And, you know, there's a, there's some talented youngsters uh, behind those first team guys. There's some questions for me, the interior offensive line is my biggest question. You know, who's going to land at center um, is, is, is Mason Trotter. You know, they tried Hunter Rayburn out in the spring. Uh, Mason Trotter has assumed the first team role at this point, but they're also working Matt Bockhorst there so they can slide him over and get the true freshman Marcus Tate in there at, um, at left guard to get their possibly five best guys on the field. So it'll be interesting to see that shuffle, I think, at the tackle positions between Jordan McFadden and Walker Parks. We're going to be in really good shape. Yeah. Um, clearly, I think offensive line and the run game in particular is going to be the area of the biggest need to develop and you know, improve from last year. Typically with no line, you want to see the same five guys out there for the most part on most downs. Um, in the game early on to establish you know, the offense. Um, what'll be interesting, you want to do that to establish continuity and communication and just like the, you know, really get the um, sort of like the reaction versus thinking about your assignment from your offensive line. What'll be interesting is that scenario you mentioned where um, you got kind of the, the current on paper plan starter at center of Mason Trotter, putting Bachhorst to left guard I'll be curious, like, does this become a little bit of a shuffle intra-drive or intra-series where um, you do shift Bach course over to center um, and bring Marcus Hayden or whomever at left guard? I'm just wondering, like, will you see that sort of shuffle, like, between series or maybe go one series back and forth? Um, against Georgia, we're not going to have the luxury to kind of test that out and try it. So Yeah, put the guys you trust shuffle. out there. Yeah, for sure. And then maybe Not necessarily later on the, the best season, players. Right. And maybe later on in the season, you sort of, feel out like the how does the shuffle work or maybe you do find your best five to run the offense the whole game and it may not be the same five that started together against Georgia but um it's just gonna be interesting I think it's just one of the biggest areas to keep an eye on in fall camp here you know if, if people are subscribing to the various publications you know I, I think like who gets those center snaps that's gonna be indicative of what's going on across that line 
And it's not to speak, uh, it's not to say anything negatively about guys like Mason Trotter and Hunter Rayburn. More than anything, it, it speaks to the high upside of Marcus Tate um, and his ability coming in yeah. as a true freshman. So can you keep him off the field, basically, right? Yeah, he's physically there. He's mentally there um, yeah. as a true freshman, which is really hard to do. You know, two positions on the field, leaving, you know, toss quarterback aside. The, the, the other two positions on the field where it's really hard to do that is offensive line and linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, um, well, I, I think I mean, that speaks in, more to him. Yeah, in our, like, you know, time paying very close attention to this Clemson offense, really only Mitch Hyatt got meaningful starting snaps as a freshman. I mean, even Jackson Harmon, the highest touted recruit, um, he, he didn't play too much as a freshman. Um, right. He obviously contributed some, but he was working on his body, trying to get fit, and had a, had a great career at Clemson after that and became a second rounder. Um, but Marcus Tate might be right in that camp with Jackson Carmen, you know, contributing, maybe not starting the season at that position. I mean, Mitch Hyatt was like the unicorn alignment for Clemson while he was here, four year starter at left tackle. Um, so, which is crazy because he's not even, is he? I guess he's on an NFL roster, at least on a practice squad. But yeah, I mean, it's been a t- it's been tough going for Mitch across the board. Um, not sure what he's up to now, but anyway, Ben, I, you know, I think we covered off a little bit on the OL on the offensive line here. Um, as far as when I think about you know the new look nature of this offense, it's going to be different. Uh, clearly, different starting quarterback, different lead rusher. Absolutely, it's going to be different this year because Travis Etienne's gone. I think also um, just a wide receiving core. Like to me, that is that is something that we talked about Justin Ross, but um, the the two guys that came in a couple of years ago, Frank Latson and Joe Gata, were both highly touted, had pretty solid freshman years. And then due to injury, I mean, still had some injury um, issues their freshman year, sophomore year last year. Neither of these guys could stay healthy, stay on the field, and I think getting them back is going to be really as impactful as Justin Ross for the most part. And um, it's going to be just new look across the board. I think what that does in terms of the offense and playmaking, what you're going to see, I think it does a few things that's going to change how the games feel. I think Clemson's offense is going to get the middle of the field involved a lot more and um, really like where Trevor Lawrence, um, his, balls last year were not thrown as far downfield as two years ago, three years ago um, in his freshman and sophomore years. And I think that was due to just a lack of lack of being able to have those guys on the boundary, you know, succeed at 50, 50 balls and break loose from their coverage. Um, I would expect both those guys and the rise of the Jojo to allow Clemson to challenge downfield more. And I think you're going to see again, balls over the middle of Justin Ross, and the tight ends and with the tight ends we've now got tony elliott offensive coordinator he no longer is coaching up the running back group that's cj spiller's task now so he's focusing on the tight ends i think the hope from clemson fans is his increase of focus there means he's going to want to you know he's seeing more from his guys in practice spending more time during the week with them he's going to find opportunities to cut them loose so it's all wishful thinking but i think that's that's an area of the offense that um you know, again, balls are balls downfield. Maybe, I mean, Clemson obviously has the guys that can be dangerous, you know, in the first five yards past the line of scrimmage in the passing game. Uh, but with Travis Etienne moving on, maybe the running back core gets involved in that regard. But I think you'll probably see the ball push downfield a little bit more and let DJ flash that arm. Well, they're still going to do horizontal stuff. I expect to see Lin Jay. I think he's going to carve out a role out of the backfield and possibly Will uh, Shipley too. Um, but as far as the wide receivers are going to uh, go on paper, it's a really formidable wide receiving core, like the speed, the height, the stars, all phenomenal. But on this year's roster, the best wide receiver from last year was sophomore EJ Williams. Yeah. With everybody, but, Joe Ngata and, or, or sorry, Justin Ross and the true freshman coming in, having played. So still question marks. And I look it's the same thing, like again, on the offense. Yeah. On paper, this could be a great offense, a ton of talent, but you look down the line, you got a new starting quarterback. You got a new starting running back. 
You've got, you know, two guys at the starting wide receiver positions that still have some question marks and some durability issues. And you also have Justin Ross coming back. We expect him to be great, of course. But, you know, is he one hit away going across the middle from injuring something in his neck? I'm going to be scared about that. Hopefully it doesn't happen. The tight end position. Uh, we've seen some flashes from these guys, but they're not great blockers and they haven't really been incorporated into the offense at this point. Like we, we would hope they would. And then you've got the offensive line that, you know, we're relying on younger guys to come in and they didn't have a necessarily good year last year. So it's not a foregone conclusion that this is going to be a super dominant offense on paper. It looks like a fantastic offense. Um, at least at the skill positions, the, offensive line we're going to have to see but we saw last last year if that offensive line does not perform and makes us one-dimensional with this team then i think we're going to struggle a little bit because of all the new faces and a little bit of the inexperience so i think it hinges a lot more the offensive line this year than i than i think we're talking about a no everybody's be worried about the quarterback leaving and the running back leaving but if the offensive line is up to task this year and performs much better than they did last year i think it's going to make the offensive game plan and the performances and the output you know so much uh you know elevated to a different level yeah and what's tough is they really won't have much time to gel before we get the biggest challenge of the season, which is Georgia week one um, in Charlotte. So it is put so much more onus on figuring things out in camp. I think you are going to see coaches faith and trust putting guys that have proven it before, um, which I think you pointed out Ben. like they're from the 2020 team, not a lot of top contributors at their respective positions here. Uh, but you can go a couple of years back. I mean, I think, you know, from what I've heard, Paul Camp, I mean, we all saw that clip of Booth and, and Gata kind of contesting for that ball, and Justin Gata went out on that specific play. But um, again, like you're right, those guys had reasons why their last couple of years have been a little disappointing. We don't know about Ross. Um, you know, have, where, where is he in terms of being a world class receiver again? We're not sure. He's been out with COVID protocol, so he hasn't actually been practicing in fall camp yet. Um, we all hope hope he's in good shape and able to come back, you know, hundred percent, but um, yeah, I mean, plenty of question marks. We'll continue to kind of keep an eye on it, but um, Georgia's team, their, their defensive line full of studs, full of first rounders. So um, I think that O-line is going to be tested early and often in, in the run game and in the passing game. So um, I, for one, I am glad you do have a sturdy quarterback in DJ probably going to be able to take some hits and, um, you know, live to talk about it, but uh, it's going to be going to be a war, going to be a battle. You're going to see see a good game live, I think. Yep. And I mean, let's there's also some standouts here. Everything we're hearing, Adjo Adjo is looking phenomenal. Nine day difference from what he did last year. Um, Frank Latson has really turned it on. They say, a lot, you know, some some work to do. Um and then at the running back position, you know, Will Shipley for me is a freshman standout that I think is going to make a huge impact this year. And then my other uh, true freshman impact player is going to be Marcus Tate. You know, there's a couple of guys, you know, the two wide receivers, Stellato and Collins, they're going to probably see some, some game action just because we typically run, you know, I mean, Deep we're sense. running, we're running like yeah. we're running Davos grandkids out there at this point. Um, and then, the only other guy maybe uh, Jake Bringsul, the tight end. Um, a lot of people like him. And then I don't know if uh, Dietrich Pennington, uh, freshman offensive lineman, is going to manage to avoid a red shirt this year. But the way they're talking about this guy's body and his physique and the way he's coming, he, he they're saying he looks like what an offensive lineman is supposed to look like. So. Um, yeah, just some other interesting things that we'll be looking forward to this year. But I think more than anything, we're not going to be re- able to rely so much. Um, hoping some freshman comes in and saves the day. We're going to need to see the guys that have been on this team two, three, four years really step up and have their moment. Yeah, I, I'm confident that it will happen. And I'm, I'm confident in a lot of reasons, but also the coaching staff and continuity and having done it before and gotten solid performances out of equally or less talented guys. So, um, Oh, they know what they're yeah, doing. They know what they're doing. Exactly. So, um, well, yeah, good kind of first look at the offense across the board, Ben, you know, the cupboard's full in terms of talent. It's just a matter of putting it all together and 
and getting those clicks. So um, why don't we flip it over to the defense? All right, Ben, so on the defense, the last time we saw this Clemson team and really the, the final game of the last two seasons, I think what we what we dealt with was a Clemson defense that did not look like the Clemson defense that was playing during the regular season. You know, and it's not that, oh, well, you play better opponents. I actually feel like the personnel, you know, Dabo talks about the best ability is availability. That That is actually what I think costs Clemson the most against Ohio State and against LSU. Now, you can talk about why wasn't there more depth there? That becomes a recruiting question. We've addressed that on multiple shows. I don't really want to get into that with you here. Um, but I think in my mind, the biggest question coming into this season is the same one we had coming out of the Ohio State game, which is what are we going to get from the secondary to be able to slow down and contain um, outside zone running game and you know very capable passing game, power spread offenses. And it, the depth situation is a little better this year. Uh, Clemson recruited well the last two seasons. I think we we are looking forward to getting some contributions from some freshmen in a couple of key spots, uh, but still consistency and seeing guys take a step forward and develop in the secondary for me is the biggest question mark on this defense. And that is, I, I hate to start with sort of like the, what is worrying me or bothering me too much. Um, but because that, that kind of clouds over, unbridled optimism and excitement over what is going to be a legendary defensive line. And I just, I wanted to bring it up just to kind of get your, your gut check on, you know, as we've thought about this secondary in years past, um, do you feel like this is probably our best look secondary uh, better than 2020? Um, obviously I think in a couple of years prior to that, we had guys like Trayvon Mullen, we had AJ Terrell, um, you know, Mac well before him, et cetera. Um, but it, do you feel like another year when, yeah tankies etc for me like these guys now have the experience they have years of starting position um it's not like we've seen like that crazy amount of turnover from last year to this year so uh, the table set for these guys to just go out and develop and execute i guess my question is like are you feeling like they're gonna do it well you're right we've got um, a lot of experience in that position. That's even with losing uh, Darian Kendrick to our uh, uh, opening opponent this year. I feel really good about Andrew Booth. I think we've seen what he can do, his athleticism. Uh, Mari Goodrich is a guy with been with the program for three years. Same with uh, Sheridan Jones. When you go and look at the safety position, you got guys like Nolan Turner, Landon Zanders, two guys that have logged a lot of playing time, been here a while. Uh, Joseph Charleston, Jalen Phillips. Um, and then you got some talented guys coming in behind them. So I think they'll be better than last year, but I think that's going to be this. I don't think this is the most talented secondary that we've seen in this run for Clemson. Yeah. But what we do have is a front seven that is going to be pretty damn formidable. Um, we're talking about the defensive line, like read down the names um, and they're all five stars. Well, the, they're actually guys that would have given Power Rangers a run for their money, you know, had they all joined at the same time, basically. Like, so that I agree with you. Like, I almost feel like that D line, it's, it's, a, it's a cavalcade of names and it's very formidable. And in that sense, if they're getting home, you know, maybe it puts a little bit less pressure on the back end, which the last two years was not the case uh, with the front. So I think you could, we still had a really solid amount of talent on the defensive backfield against LSU. The problem was the front seven. And then this yeah. past year, a little bit better in terms of up front, a little bit worse in the back end talent wise. And a lot sooner, especially when you lose Nolan Turner for half. But I think that's fine. I'd, I'd, I'd take a more powerful, more dominant front seven all day than, than the secondary being the best unit on your team. Um, yeah. Because I think it, that just neutralizes so many parts of the game. I mean, obviously the run game, but also just getting home to the well, you quarterback. Become more and, efficient. Yeah, yeah, I think what... They don't have to it, cover for long, as long. Right, exactly. Now, you know, the, the explosive play still becomes a potential Achilles heel here. Um, but 
that quarterback's got to be really that offense has to be really capable of delivering that in 2.7 seconds. Well, and I think I, I think what you know the good part about our our schedule being so weak is it's going to give a lot of time for these underclassmen to develop. You know, Fred Davis, we've we don't know what's going to happen with his situation. I imagine that he's going to get suspended for four games. Would be my guess to open up the season with his issue with the wreck. Hopefully, the male person he hit is doing a lot better. Um, but you know, dumb mistake by that kid. And he's going to have to pay the consequences. He's out practicing with the team, but. I would Any still chance, like, Ben, that they they pull an SEC and don't suspend him? I don't think so. That That is not Davo's MO. And, yeah. again, there was a person pretty seriously injured um, yeah. because of this. So you, you can't take that lightly. This isn't about Fred Davis. This isn't about Clemson football. This is about some poor male lady who was you know, slammed into it like 85 miles per hour by – you know, somebody driving, driving recklessly. So yeah, I expect at least a four game suspension, if not more. Um, yeah, it was one fifteen at some point of the drive. And then I think it was down to like 85 when he hit. Yeah. Um, but that's an insane rate of speed at impact with um, Malcolm green, apparently right behind him. Um, anyways, uh, but at the safety position, uh, I'm really interested in seeing the development of guys like RJ Mickens, uh, true freshman, Andrew Makuba. Um, and then you've got some other guys behind them. So that have been here a while. So again, I'm hopeful not... Makuba is the guy that we can't keep off the field. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful too. I've got him listed down as one of my, one of my two defensive guys that uh, coming in as true freshman, I think is going to make uh, an impact this year. Um, he's kind of my second one linebacker. Barrett Carter is the other one. We'll talk about him and him in a second, but again, it's not the most talented squad as far as star power is concerned. But guys with a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience, and I think that combined with a dominant defensive line and a really solid linebacking core is going to make for a pretty um, incredible defense this year. They're going to be fun to watch. Like one thing to be excited about uh, for this football season and kind of the poor quality of opponents that we have is what that average you know points per game given up is going to be. I'm like, is it less than ten? Do we yeah, see that? It could happen. Shutouts, right? We're going to contest sack records. Um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of accolades heaped on this defense this year. And I will say this too: I believe that Brent Venables is as dialed in as ever. Like he 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 was he hasn't been out coached much um, as as the DC at Clemson, and typically he always bounces back well. Like I think it, I think we're going to see a season long sort of a you know kind of campaign from him to to right those wrongs. And that's, that's going to be kind of a higher level talk about the defense. And, um, you know, we can talk about individual personnel weaknesses, but the overall philosophy last year when they were getting the plays in late and really uh, that um, kind of paralyzed this defense in the games against Ohio state. Um, and, yeah, and again, I, I point back to, there were guys on the field that were not typical starters that were not right. accustomed to that first string role. And, well, and without experience, you you don't like you have to be able to recognize stuff. You need to know other people's positions. I think that's something that a guy like Trent Simpson is going to be better at this year. You know, he made amazing plays last year, but he's only going to be that much better. And then behind him, you're going to have Barrett Carter, who is getting all sorts of praise. Again, you do not see true freshman linebackers come in and play in a Brent Venables defense. And now we've got that two years in a row between Simpson and Barrett Carter. And Barrett Carter is like the complimentary piece to Trent Simpson's because it's going to be so much better in coverage. They've got him at linebacker now, but he can play a few other places on the field because of his, you know, in the secondary because of his coverage skills. So that's going to be fun to watch. You saw Malcolm Green come in last year and make an impact. I'm really looking forward to watching him again at the, at the, at the nickel position. So the linebacker core and then the front seven, maybe we talk about the defensive line last because we talked earlier in the show about what gets me excited about the season that does, yeah. but the linebacker position too, I think is very solid. You've got, there's three guys on this team that were recruited and were freshmen when I was in my early thirties. And now I'm about to turn 40 this year um, between Balin Spector, Skalski and Nolan Turner. So, okay, maybe not like they're not going to be high NFL draft picks, maybe not even drafted at all, but um Clemson legends though Clemson legends and as far as college football is concerned like that experience that knowledge base and having been in the system for so long that really improves and strengthens the mental muscle of this defense in addition yeah, ben, to the physical attributes that they have 
Yeah, and you talked about on the offensive side, like an opportunity for guys to emerge as the leader. No such, you know, no need on the defensive side to kind of want for that. Already it's, got him. It's baked in there. It's baked in there on the on the defensive line as well. So um Skalski uh real leader of this defense. I think it's gonna be um interesting to see like what what does he need to develop? What does he need to work on here? Is it just you're now the guy in charge of this front seven? You know, he's, he's not the a quarterback of it, but yeah, you know, you're second you're year finally, quarterback too. Yeah, you're finally putting it together where you've got your stable at linebacker and that D line is ferocious once again. Um, you know, the Kendall Joseph was the Mike linebacker um, during the 2018 season. So mm-hmm. Skalski never really got to helm that defense with the Power Rangers there. Like this is his shot at that. And I think that's why one of the reasons why he came back. No idea what his draft grade was going to be had he gone to the NFL, but um, I'm excited for him for that reason. Well, and you even look into the depth behind them, right? You got Levanta Bentley, who's a redshirt sophomore. He's played high upside. Jake Venables, redshirt junior, been here for a while. You got three deep. Keith McGuire, when he first stepped on campus as a true freshman, you know, there was a lot of um, a, a hype with him and a lot of expectations set. So does he start to emerge this year? Kane Patterson, a junior, another guy. Um, so pretty deep at those positions. And so it's yeah. going to be fun to watch. Like if anybody's able to get past this defensive line, like then they're going to have to deal with these linebackers. And I'm really excited about that. I think we're going to get back. We were missing it last year and the year before, but we've got the defense, the Brit Venables defense that we're all accustomed to seeing uh, coming into to this year. And it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Now with that, let's talk about these Frankensteins up front. So in many ways, like this feels almost like more of an embarrassment of riches than we had with the Power Rangers, because I, I'm going to use the word specialism here. Like I actually feel like in specific positions and specific, you know, scenarios on the field, you, you've got the caliber of talent and now experience coming back that, you know, you, you can kind of like pick your, pick your guys to slot in against what the offense is throwing at you. Whereas with the Power Rangers, I mean, those guys were so skilled and talented. They could handle it pretty much every play. And yes, you did get reps from Niles Pinkney, George Williams, um, Albert Huggins, you know, come in in the 2018 season and contribute. But for the most part, it was those four guys up front. Here at the end position, you know, Justin Foster and XT, you know, we know what their upside looks like. KJ Henry, you know, may, we may feel like he has not lived up to his five-star billing, but his – his stats, like the, the percentage of defense balls and, you know, really just kind of, the, he is the unsung hero of the defensive end position. I feel like on this team, uh, we haven't mentioned Miles Murphy yet, you know, breakout freshman season last year, a little bit of a weird year. What's he going to do with the full off season, you know, working with this staff. So um, I'm not going to go ahead and say these guys have, are going to be better this year, even in their, their career than the power Rangers. That's blasphemy. Uh, but in many ways, like they, they could play situational football potentially better and certainly have like a much bigger impact on the overall defense, because I feel like the, you know, the back, the back seven behind the power Rangers is definitely more talented than what we got on this team this year. So much to be excited about, about this defensive line. And for many different reasons, we've got five or sorry, four, five-star guys on the defensive line, starting on the defensive line. Clemson has never had that, I yeah. don't think. And so that is certainly something to be excited about. You've got, again, Xavier Thomas coming back and needing to prove something. Tyler Davis fully healthy. you got the sophomores, per se, and Miles Murphy. We saw what they did last year with no experience. Um, at the two deep, at the defensive end position, we're also in really good shape. He's got Justin Foster behind Xavier Thomas and Justin Maskell, who's been playing really well in practice, and the coaches are really high on. Super deep. At those two positions on the inside, um, a, a, a couple of guys that need to prove something and it's kind of their turn to do so. You got Trey Williams, the red shirt freshman, um, got some experience last year, like what I saw. And then Rook, um, the red shirt sophomore um, behind Brian Perzee. So not as much depth inside. You still want to keep Tyler Davis healthy. Of course, you want to keep uh, Brzee healthy as well. But the starting lineup is is it's not hyperbole to say. I don't think that they could certainly be the best defensive line in all of college football. 
and given our schedule, the stats are definitely going to make that case, but you know, we'll have to get the eye tests and what happens going toe to toe with other national powers in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think what, what is ahead of this team is finding out the right fit and matchups and getting these guys with the right timing playing together. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of technique stuff, read some of the coaches notes on like Brze, um, you know, kind of jumping or getting off the speed a little bit. And, um, you know, that's kind of death against offensive lines, but. Well, he was going off of pure talent last year um, and kind of in sneak. And now he's got the technique down. So that combined with the raw talent that we saw last year, he'll be at another level. I feel the same way for Miles Murphy. Just really want to see what we're going to get out of Xavier Thomas and then Justin Foster having been off a year. KJ Henry sitting behind them. Um, he has not yet blossomed into the five-star that he was recruited as. He could be one of those developmental guys that just takes a few years. Let's see what happens. Um, he'll have an opportunity to be able to come back next year because of the COVID season. Um, but on paper, pretty deep at those those impositions. It's going to be interesting to see how the, um, the second team defensive tackle stacks up here going throughout the season. Yeah, I think this is an opportunity to talk about DeMonte Capehart. So he was Clemson's, I want to say he was either a five-star, close to that high four-star um, in the 2020 class and struggled with some injury stuff last year, also starting this season on the injured list. And, you know, that's that's something I, we're hopeful that he is able to break through and get some reps because I think that's a guy that you want to look ahead and um, I'm not sure if he's going to slide in at the, the nose tackle or the three technique position, Ben, but um, Tyler Davis isn't going to be here forever. Brian Brzee is not going to be here forever. I see him as being one of those guys they can pass the torch to, uh, to anchor this team and potentially provide a little bit of needed depth. Um, again, I go back to the LSU game through suspension and injuries. You know, that was just through we a skeleton crew up front um, in that game. And um, I still maintain to this day, if we had a fully healthy, even if with, you know, the, the year after the power Rangers left, you know, health up front would have made that a different ball game altogether. So hopefully he's, he's able to get the right strength and conditioning and turn that around because, you know, yes, I, I think Rui Ferraro and Trey Williams, very important and not too deep, but Monte K part definitely has the talent to break through. Let's just get him healthy. And I think, that the fortunate part of it just because of the talent in front of him that we already have on the team and the weakness of the schedule this year, we're going to be able to allow him to get healthy. Yeah. And when I think about Ben, like, what do we know about Georgia? We're going to get into analyzing that team, probably make an appearance on a Georgia podcast soon enough here and maybe get an interview of our own done um, to learn more about this team in this offense. But um, when they finally, like last year's Georgia offense, 2020 Georgia offense, and they did not have a great year across the board. There was some injury in that quarterback position and elsewhere. Um, but it was a new look offense for them. Like they're, they learned, they seemingly at the top learned their lesson from trying to run a 2011 Alabama football team. Like they're, they're hoping to modernize their offense and um, toward, down the stretch, JT Daniels, um, was able to get the ball downfield effectively. And I think they were like top 15 or so in the nation in in, um, explosive play rate downfield um, toward the end of last year. So they're, you know, I think Clemson fans are going to be like, yeah, prove it. JT Daniels has never done anything. This is the same old Georgia. Um, I think it's just going to be so critical to have this D line able to produce pressure. Um, Because if they're, if they are able to be potent downfield, you know, we already talked about the secondary questions we have. Um, we may be even thinner there if Fred Davis is suspended. So um, that is that is something to look at, look at and look ahead to. And that's why just having this D-line be the power of this defense is going to be critical. Um, last note on Georgia, they um, they don't have their full stable of wide receiver talent. They, they both lost guys to the draft and um, into injury to start the season here this year. So, um, you know, in that sense, they, they won't be quite as formidable as they were last year, but uh, something to something to note. Quick look ahead of that game. It's going to be a game scored in the 20s, I think. If you put the over under, I don't know, 54 and a half, I'd go under. Really? I just think that what you just mentioned about Georgia's offense and what we've been talking about Clemson's defense and then also 
You know, we talked about Georgia's defense earlier and a lot of the question marks on Clemson's offense. Now, it's not to say that the offense isn't going to be performing at peak levels towards the end of the year and could be a great offense, but Georgia brings a lot of talented guys back on the defensive line. Yeah. We still have question marks on the offensive line. I see a game in the 20s. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, 38, 35, 42, yeah, other, 39 affair. The other question is like, when was the last time Kirby was in a tight game? Like he, he strikes me as just a super conservative head coach in those moments, even if he does have the offensive weapons at his disposal. So yeah, you, you may be right, Ben. I don't think Kirby's proven to be any sort of offensive genius. No, or tight game decision-making genius either, which again, advantage Clemson there. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, again, maybe to wrap up on the defense, I think this is a, we're expecting a much better season, a much better result to the season from this defense. Um, I think last year, um, everyone from the defensive coordinator on down felt like that was not the best showing of their talent or what this defense was capable of. I think this year we're going to have the right pieces in the right spots um, to have a much better showing. So um, yeah, super excited. I, I feel like once again, um, Clemson's identity will be made up front and then the rest of the defense will flow from that with a bunch of dangerous playmakers in the back end. Um, I think this could be a team Ben that really turns the ball over well as well. Like that could be an element um, for this team that could, that could up in the Georgia game right there. If JT Daniels doesn't take care of it. All right. Well, uh, that's, that's a wrap for this show. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back soon. Um, fall camp updates, interviews across the board. We're going to be doing a partnership over with Shaken Southland again this season, putting our podcast up over there, bringing some of their writers on to discuss things like their season previews by position group and just in general catch up throughout the season. So really looking forward to that, bringing you some more insight beyond um, Ben and my very limited knowledge of football. Um, but Ben, this is really fun. Uh, it's just you and me on this podcast this season, right? Apparently. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone. You know where to find us. Please tell a friend. Please leave us a good review. Five stars, if you will. Um, thank you. We're really excited to get back into this. It's August. The drumbeat is marching towards September 4th. It's the 4th or 5th, then. One of those two. Labor Day weekend. Uh, should it's be a good fifth. one. It's the 5th. All right, cool. It's um, the 4th. So yeah, enjoy it. <laughs> the 4th. Okay. I'm going. I'll be there on right. Saturday. Make sure your flight is booked for the right day. Um, I think it is. Yeah, good. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.